Pastini is Eugene's new Italian bistro at Oakway Center, dedicated to serving up two of life's greatest pleasures, pasta and wine. Join them for classic favorites like spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with clams and sausage, and fettuccine Alfredo paired with hand-selected Pacific Northwest and Italian wines. Pastini. Eat pasta. Drink wine. Welcome to the Duck Pod from DuckSports.com. Here's Ryan Thorburn and Austin Meek from the Register Guard Newsroom. All right, we're back on the podcast. I'm with Steve Mims today. Austin Meek is on assignment. Steve, it's Valentine's Day, and the Oregon Duck football family has had a divorce. Uh, Mario Cristobal and Jim Levitt are parting ways. Uh, the Pepsi-fueled defensive coordinator who's you know had a... Uh, a reputation for turning around Pac-12 defenses in a hurry is out the door, and Oregon has agreed to pay him $2.5 million, depending on what his future uh, uh, employment looks like. And uh, just your reaction to this this turn of events. Well, when last we were in this room, we were discussing the, the often <laughs> bizarre relationship between Cristobal and Levitt. But I guess my thought was that, you know, sometimes you can kind of have somebody you don't necessarily get along with, but if they're doing the job, you can kind of do things separately. But, um, you know, this is a power play for Mario Cristobal. It seems pretty apparent. You know, he wants his guy. He wants his defensive coordinator. Obviously, things with Levitt weren't working out for him. And rather than just kind of – and this is a this is a risk. You know, they're, the new defensive coordinator, if it's somebody promoted from within the staff, as we expect, will be calling plays for the first time against Auburn at Cowboys Stadium and in a season that has a lot of high expectations it's a risky move to, to get rid of your defensive coordinator and now have that be a question mark going into the season so like I say I, I think overall you you knew there was some some friction between Mario and Jim but you felt like they were going to be able to kind of keep that thing together but as you mentioned it turned out to be the the St. Valentine's Day massacre and I know you uh you popped over to Jim's house this morning I doesn't sound like he offered you any Pepsis but what did uh what did you learn from seeing Jim this morning? Yeah, I actually live kind of in the same neighborhood as Jim Levitt, but obviously we're not in the same tax <laughs> bracket. Uh, I can say that. Um, but yeah, I walk my dog by Jim's all the time. So, you know, I just noticed uh, this is Thursday that, you know, all his lights were on. It, it was pretty clear that he was packing up his stuff to, to go over there. So I, I stopped by Jim's and we had a good chat and, uh you know, he didn't want to be quoted, you know, a lot of the stuff we talked about, um, you know, he wants to go out, doesn't want to burn any bridges or anything like that. Uh, he was in a very good mood, very happy, uh, had his 49ers sweatshirt on and uh, was packing up, getting ready to drive from Eugene to Boulder and, and spend time with his wife and his two daughters. And uh, he said there are no hard feelings that he has um, with Oregon. Um you know, he basically alluded that, you know, he kind of felt that Mario wanted his own guy, his own defensive coordinator, and, and that's just business, and, and that's no problem. Obviously, it's easy to, to be in a good mood when you're getting at least $2.5 million if you don't work again yeah. uh, from Oregon. But uh, no hard feelings there. He, like everyone else, expects it to be Keith Hayward, who uh, was the safeties coach, carried the co-defensive coordinator title this year he's expecting it to be Keith but uh, he doesn't know for sure but you know Jim's a very interesting guy and um, 
for the fans who've you know, been following him and, and his antics, which were subdued this year on Twitter. He said he'll be back on social media in, in a in a good mood uh, going forward. Well, you mentioned Keith Hayward. I think it'd be, I think with Joe Salve, I think the expectation would be that those two would both be given the co-title, but Keith will be given the play call responsibilities. Which, you know, you, you look back on the Levitt thing, and it's so bizarre. I mean, last year they, can, you know, Willie leaves and, and Jim was going to be gone, and then he has to stick around for the bowl game by contract. And then by the time they get done with the bowl game, they give him this overwhelming contract that was more than he could get anywhere else. So he ends up signing this one point seven million to stay on. Which now you almost wonder was that Rob Mullins kind of pulling that string, or was that Mario? Chris was Rob saying, hey, this is the defensive coordinator needs to come with you. Well, then fast forward a couple months later, and now they're adding two guys the title of, de- of co-defensive coordinator. So you've given them this contract, but now you've also kind of taken away at least some of the public responsibilities. Now, we all know in college football, a lot of times titles just equal money, and you're going to give the guy that to try to get him a little bit more money and keep him there. But it was it was sort of like they gave him this big deal, and then they came in and said, oh, but we're also going to have a couple other guys share this title with you. I don't know how well that sat with Jim. And, and like you say, now I would assume that you can't take the title away from Joe. You can't say, hey, Keith's our guy now, but Joe's now going to go back to D-line coach. So I assume that they'll probably come out and say, hey, we're going to have co-defensive coordinators. But just like last year, they clarified that, hey, Jim's the play caller. I think Keith will be the play caller. And again, I don't think anybody questions his ability to do the job, but it's going to be an on-the-job fire. You know, that first game is going to be Auburn, and this is going to be a team that returns a lot on defense, has real high expectations going into next season. And that can be kind of an an uncomfortable feel at having a first-time play caller up there knowing how much is on the line next year. Yeah, I think the titles are kind of semantics at this point. I think, I think Keith will be in charge of the defense, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call him. And I think Joe already has the associate head coach title and is making a lot of money. Uh, so I, I, I don't see any friction going forward between any of the remaining staff. But when you think back to when Willie left, obviously the timing was horrible for everyone involved. Yeah. Um, and so the players petitioned for Mario and here's Jim sitting there who wants to be a head coach again so bad and all the players petition for Mario Mario gets the job so going into the Las Vegas Bowl you're wondering what is Jim thinking and I I'm not Jim didn't tell me tell me this but I my sense is that you know Mario and Jim probably agreed you know the best thing in the short term is just to work together even though we both wanted the job and get this uh, recruiting class salvaged get the defense rolling um, you know and and keep the momentum we had under Willie going and build this thing at least in the short term and I'm sure Jim thought yeah I'm gonna get you know a nice payday from Oregon just to be the defensive coordinator and you know, after a year with Mario, there's a good chance I could maybe be the Kansas State head coach yeah. if things go well. And as we know, he he wanted that job pretty badly. He wanted uh, the Colorado job, and he also interviewed for the Texas Tech job. And, you know, I think if he takes one of those jobs, it never gets to this. And it's like, oh, good for Jim. You know, Mario can say he did a great job. Now he's on his way. We'll be fine. But it didn't work out. Now – they have to work together in the long term and and maybe there was some creative tension that that they didn't feel was you know worth it yeah and it seems like the Jim Levitt to be a head coach train has kind of run them I mean Kansas State was a place where they thought didn't happen there Tech had his old boss from Kansas State uh, you know and doesn't hire him Colorado was the place that he'd really been hailed for what he did there in two years I'm not sure there's a job out there now at this point I, I think Jim Levitt 
goes off and you know I think he could get a coordinator job although when you're making the money he's going to make to sit out I'm not sure he'd be in a rush to do that maybe he wants to go back and try the NFL and be a coordinator there or something but uh, we've probably seen the last uh, last of some of that for Jim one interesting thing move forward would be how Mario fills the coaching spot because if you promote Hayward do you then hire a safeties coach or do you figure hey he can still do the safeties or you could even turn the whole secondary over to Dante Williams you know do you hire an inside linebackers coach which is what Levitt did or do you trust your new guy Ken Wilson can handle all your linebackers spots and we'll assume that Keith Hayward's going to want to do a 3-4 like Levitt but is there any thought that Keith Hayward has some other ideas so you know that leaves kind of some flexibility for Mario in terms of adding the one more that the next assistant and it'll be interesting to see if Keith sort of like I say the personnel that's lined up coming in next year looks like the 3-4 there I assume that's what he wants to do but we'll kind of wait and see Now, they've said it's a nationwide search. I I don't think anybody, like I say, expects the search to go outside the building at this point, but we'll see where it goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who, what position the the new hire is. Do they actually find a defensive coordinator and and it's not Hayward, which I don't think that would be the case. But, yeah, you could go uh, safeties coach. You could go, you know, inside linebackers coach. You you could do a lot of different things, but uh, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting and, and certainly worth watching. Uh, obviously, they've already hired uh, Ken Wilson from Washington State to replace Court Dennison, and and uh, you know, kind of lost in the shuffle yesterday. They hired a wide receivers coach, Javon Bonite from Texas Tech, which uh, is a pretty big deal when you look at you know the issues facing Oregon going into spring practice. I think replacing. Dylan Mitchell's at the top of that list. So um, now Mario has one more hire. I would think, given that they've mutually agreed, I guess is the wording, to do this, to part ways with Jim, that Mario's probably got uh, a list of guys he wants on the staff in some capacity, and he'll have to figure out which guy fits best. Yeah, I think you say the new receivers coach people were surprised it wasn't a Washington State because that's where they've been getting him, but he went to Mike Leach's previous spot. So there was still some ties to Mike Leach in the addition there. Yeah, you got to find a way to beat my Leach <laughs> and many others. Uh, you know, Jim um, is pretty excited about the defense that's that Hayward is going to inherit, and I don't think he was trying to put pressure on on Oregon. But you know, when I was talking to him, he did say he'd be rooting for them, and and that he thinks they can win every game on the schedule next year. Yeah, I think I tried to put a little pressure on him. <laughs> no, hey, you guys, you, you guys got rid of me, and you were set up for twelve and zero. So now, see what you can do without me. So, seems like there might be a little bit of a dig there, but we'll see. So, uh, beyond all this football coaching carousel news, there's uh, Civil War basketball going on. I'm sure uh, it's a, a weekend the filled. Department isn't probably thrilled that <laughs> Mario's a. Uh, getting all these headlines going with Jim Levitt in the middle of the Civil War. But uh, what you have is back-to-back women's games Friday and Monday that are sold out. Um, And you have a men's game where both teams need to win to try and get up into that top four. Um, Let's start with the women. Um, How amazing is it, I guess? I was talking to Maite Cazorla the other day. And I asked her about the first game, her first home game when she was a freshman. And she said, oh, there's probably 100 people there. It's pretty quiet. It's pretty cool what's going to happen on Friday. But I actually looked it up. It was like 900 and something. But the point still, incredible what's happened under Kelly Graves with Oregon women's basketball. 
Yeah, and credit him for being a, a, a guy who's willing to go out there and promote it. You know, he shows up at men games and run out and shoot the T-shirt can, and he's got the team out there doing that. I mean, they've done all they can, both, you know, just kind of spreading the word social media. I mean, this isn't a coach who kind of hides under a rock and just says, hey, come out and watch this play. This is, you know, Kelly's wants to get as many people there as he could. They set the goal. It sounded like they'd set a goal for 10,000. Now it's going to be 12,000. So it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see what a sellout crowd looks like for that game. And, I mean, two top 10 teams, so it's not just like a, a pack the house, you know, for a cheap ticket day. These are a legitimate game, legitimate, you know, chance to for Oregon to, to kind of basically grab the Pac-12 title right there. I mean, everyone knows that Oregon has a great chance to get to the Final Four this year. They're probably going to be the number one seed at the Portland Regional, so they could win four games in within the state's borders and then get to the Final Four. But I now think that they could win the whole thing after, you know, I went to the Bay Area and they just demolished Cal and put on a clinic on offense and then with one day to prepare for Stanford beat the Cardinal by 40 points at Maple's Pavilion first win at Stanford since 1987 I mean that was a huge statement for me that you know they're not messing around this team's not only going to win the Pac-12 and probably the Pac-12 tournament they have they could win the whole thing yeah, I think any time, especially in women's basketball these days, if you look up and don't see an undefeated UConn team at number one, you feel like it's wide open. You know, the only years when it's really been shut down is when you had these UConn on these runs where it was 2-3 NB. I mean, this is a UConn team that's lost a few. They're ranked behind Oregon. Certainly there's more depth at the top with the Notre Dame and Louisville and South Carolina types. But you're right. I think if you're Oregon, you don't go into this like maybe the last two where you thought, hey, let's see how far we can get, and then you run into UConn. I think this year, the obviously, the thought would be see how far you can get and know that there's not a game or a team out there that you can't feel at this point you could take out on a neutral court. Now that said, I think Oregon State's going to be highly competitive. You know, if there was a split, that wouldn't shock me. And But even if there is a split, Oregon's still going to have their two-game cushion on Oregon State, and Oregon State's alone in second. I mean, there, there's barring injury, Oregon is going to repeat as Pac-12 champions. Yeah, yeah, but they, uh, and that's the interesting part about the, you know, it sets up, you know, just the rivalry game. I mean, the the Pac-12 title would have been great, but even without that, I mean, for Oregon State, if they can get a split of this thing somehow, they move from maybe the three line to the two line. Yeah, so even if you're losing out on the on the Pac-12 title, there's a lot at stake for them. And and I still think that you know, if you're Oregon State, you feel like this was the state that you guys had kind of ran it for a five six year run there with Scott Ruick, and this is kind of your chance to to kind of push back and and show what you got there. So what are you expecting uh, during the men's game? And do you, which team do you think – or could both of them be in the top four for the for the tournament? You know, it's looking more and more like. I mean, we saw again last night, Arizona State lost last night, USC lost last night. I mean, just by not playing, Oregon basically moved up a couple slots in the standings there. I mean, they're six and five. So you win this and get to seven and five, which would knock Oregon State down to seven and five. Now you're tied with the Beavs. You've tied the season series. They probably come out of this weekend in the top four at that point. Prop for Oregon and Oregon State both moving forward is two of the final three weeks are on the road. They're not the most demanding road trips. I mean, L.A. doesn't look real tough right now and Washington State certainly doesn't although last week they did and Washington at the end and your home games against Arizona it feels like for both of them the way the conference is it's almost like 7 50-50 games that are left and you know you probably got to get to 11 and 7 to feel good about a top four maybe 10 and 8 so if Oregon could win this you could head into those final six thinking maybe if you you win your two at home and split them on the road you can get that done but 
I think that is the key for any of these because, you know, just the conference is going to – the team two, three, and four are going to have a great chance. And I think there are other teams down the road that could too, but just that fourth game takes so much out of you. I I think Washington certainly doesn't look like an overwhelming team in Vegas right now. And so I think if you were sitting two, three, or four, you'd feel, again, almost like your chances were as good as anybody in there. All right. Well, we've discussed football, men's basketball, women's basketball. There's also – softball going on now and other sports so make sure you check it all out at ducksports.com it seems like we're updating the site on a hourly basis so check it out and thanks so much for tuning in thanks for listening to this episode of the duck pod from ducksports.com be sure to subscribe on itunes google play stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and always available at ducksports.com 